Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine. very much. I'm Philip Emagwale. Please allow me to introduce myself by quoting from the book titled History of the Internet. Quote, in 1989, mathematician Philip Emagwale shocked the supercomputer industry by performing the world's fastest computation. 3.1 billion calculations per second using the power of internet. The results, as computer scientist Marshall Lakes put it, we are phenomenal, three times faster than a supercomputer. Unquote. I experimentally discovered the massively parallel processing supercomputer. My discovery contributed to our understanding of my new supercomputer as a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 already available processors. I experimentally discovered how to harness the power of a new internet. My discovery contributed to our understanding of how to reduce the time to solution of the toughest problems arising in extreme-scale computational physics. And how to reduce that time to solution by a factor of 1 billion across 1 billion processors that were already available in the market that are identical to each other and that are equal distances afar and apart from each other. The modern supercomputer that computes in parallel or by solving a million mathematical problems at once arose from our need to make the impossible to compute possible to compute. All living beings has the intrinsic need to explore or to see something that was previously unseen. That need to see that previously unseen is what took us to the moon. That need to conquer new frontiers of outer space 
It's why we sent unmanned spacecraft to the planet Mars. But the most important frontier of exploration and knowledge is not outer space. The most important frontier is our inner space. The frontier of inner space is where we see the previously unseen and see them in unexpected places. Who is Philip Emma Aguale? On the 4th of July, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, I experimentally discovered how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. I experimentally discovered how and why to use the modern supercomputer to solve the toughest problems arising in extreme-scale computational physics. I experimentally discovered how and why to solve those computation-intensive problems and solve them across a new internet that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand already available processors or as many tiny computers. The most computation-intensive problems arising in physics include problems arising from encoding the laws of motion of physics and encoding those laws into the partial differential equations of modern calculus that are in turn discretized or reduced to an extreme-scale system of equations of algebra, such as using those algebraic equations to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global climate change, or to recover otherwise unrecoverable crude oil and natural gas, or to solve a thousand computation-intensive problems arising in extreme-scale computational physics. As I gradually discovered during my supercomputer quest of the 15-year period that was inclusive of from June 20, 1974 to the 4th of July, 1989, that massively parallel processing supercomputer and across a previously unimagined internet is a new supercomputer that is the fastest computer de facto. My 15-year quest was for the fastest supercomputer that is a massively parallel processing supercomputer that is fastest out of the rawness of its raw processors back in 1946. The fastest supercomputer represented the first generation of the information age. In 1950, the fastest supercomputer was powered by vacuum tubes. The supercomputers of the 1960s represented the second generation of the information age. 
the fastest supercomputers of the 1960s were powered by transistors. The fastest supercomputers of the 1970s were powered by only one isolated processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors that communicates and computes together and did both as one seamless, cohesive supercomputer. Rather than as disparate processors. That is, my 64 binary thousand computer codes were processed separately across as many processors. And my computer codes were unified into an extreme scaled supercomputer code. That is, my 65,536 computer codes that made the news headlines back in 1989 we are integrated and affected each other. The paradigm in fast supercomputing shifted on the 4th of July, 1989, the day I experimentally discovered the precursor to the modern supercomputer that computes by parallel processing across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 already available processors that were tightly coupled and that shared nothing between each other. My experiment of the 4th of July, 1989 gave me my first startlingly clear experimental discovery of a new internet that is the precursor to the modern massively parallel processing supercomputer that experimental discovery of how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest made the news headlines in newspapers around the world and earned me the top prize in the field of supercomputing. That experimental discovery opened our eyes and made it possible to see the computer in a different way. Before the 4th of July, 1989, the fastest computations were recorded on a supercomputer that computed with only one isolated processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors that communicated and computed together and that did both as one seamless, cohesive supercomputer. That singular processor was the heartbeat of the supercomputer. To discover is to understand something that was previously misunderstood and understand it in a new way 
I understood a new global network of the slowest 65,536 processors that were already available in the market as a new internet that was misunderstood as something else. I was the first supercomputer scientist to understand that new technology to be a new internet. Back in 1989, the 25,000 supercomputer scientists in the world that followed the vector processing supercomputer vision of Seymour Cray misunderstood the new technology to be merely a massively parallel processing machine that will forever have performance problems. By 1989, I understood that new technology to be a new supercomputer, whereas the supercomputer textbooks of the 1940s through 80s considered it impossible for that parallel processing machine to compute faster than the fastest supercomputer that computed sequentially. At that time, the established truth in supercomputer textbooks was called Amdahl's Law. In the most quoted scientific paper in supercomputing that was published in April 1967, Gene Amdahl wrote that it will forever be impossible to achieve a speed increase of a factor of 8 or more and achieve that speed up by using eight processors or more to power a supercomputer that is configured as an ensemble of eight or more processors. 23 years after Amdahl's law entered into the supercomputer textbook, it made the news headlines that I, Philip Emma Aguale, has discovered that the impossible to compute is, in fact, possible to compute. Namely, that it is possible to exceed Amdahl's law limit. That limit was a factor of its speed increase. I experimentally discovered how to exceed Amda's law limit. And I did so when I recorded a factor of 65,536-fold increase in the speed of the supercomputer. I achieved that speed increase in supercomputing with 65,536 processors that were already available in the market anyway. I programmed the first supercomputer to be rated at 1 million instructions per second. And I did so on June 20, 1974, at age 19. I programmed that first supercomputer at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. 
I began supercomputing by programming supercomputers that were powered, powered by only one processor and that computed only one thing at a time. In the early 1970s, there were about 1,000 supercomputer scientists in the world and each supercomputer scientist programmed a sequential processing supercomputer. In the 1970s and 80s, supercomputer textbook authors wrote that to parallel process or to compute many things or processes at once instead of computing only one thing at a time was a huge waste of everybody's time. In the spirit of the times, the June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World, the flagship publication of the Computer World, carried an article that was titled, quote, Research in Parallel Processing Question as Waste of Time, unquote. The following timeline and facts speak for themselves. In the 1950s and 60s, the top 500 supercomputers in the world performed their fastest computations by using only one isolated sequential processing unit that was not a member of an ensemble of processors that communicated and computed together and did both as one seamless cohesive supercomputer. In the 1970s and 80s, the top 500 supercomputers in the world performed their fastest computations and did so by using only one isolated vector processing unit that was not a member of an ensemble of processors. In the 1990s and later, the top 500 supercomputers in the world performed their fastest computations, computations and did so by using the slowest 65,536 processors that were already available in the market or using up to 10,649,600 processors that were already available in the market that processed together to execute extreme scale computations. From my seven decade timeline, the way we think about the computer and the supercomputer changed after my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that occurred on the 4th of July 1989. So, what happened on the 4th of July 1989 that convinced the world of supercomputing to change the way it thought about the computer and change the way it thought about the supercomputer and change its long-held opinion that parallel processing is a huge waste of everybody's time. My experimental discovery 
of the massively parallel processing supercomputer happened on the 4th of July, 1989. My experimental discovery of how and why parallel processing makes computers faster made the news headlines in 1989 and was recorded in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal. My experimental discovery of how and why parallel processing makes computers faster has been the subject of millions of school reports since 1989. For instance, according to the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal, Philip Emma Aguale experimentally discovered that we must look at the supercomputer of today as powered by the slowest 65,536 processors instead of as powered by the fastest singular processor. Since the supercomputer of today will become the computer of tomorrow, I reason that the computer should be powered by many processors and my prophecy became true after my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. Yet, massively parallel processing is easier theorized than discovered. A theory is an idea that is not positively true. My experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer prompted Steve Jobs, who at that time had left Apple Corporation to reach out to me by telephone in about June 1990. 18 years later, on June 9, 2008, Steve Jobs told the opening session of Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference in San Francisco, California, that parallel processing is a huge waste of time. As reported one day later in the June 10, 2008 issue of the New York Times, Steve Jobs told Apple Worldwide Developers that, quote, the way the processor industry is going is to add more and more cores. But nobody knows how to program those things. I mean, two, yeah? Four, not really. Eight, forget it. Unquote. Like other computer scientists, Steve Jobs was merely restating an untrue hypothesis that Gene Amdahl of Amdahl's Law fame wrote 41 years earlier. In his often quoted scientific paper of April 1967, Gene Amdahl wrote that supercomputer scientists should forget using eight processors 
and should forget using them to increase the speed of supercomputers. Seymour Cray, who designed 70% of the vector processing supercomputers of the 1980s, did not use up to two vector processing units and did not use them to increase the speed of his supercomputers. Steve Jobs of Apple Computers agreed that less than eight, less than eight processors could increase the personal speed, the, the speed of personal computers. I, Philip Emagwale, experimentally discovered how and why the slowest 65,536 tightly coupled processors in the world could increase the speeds of computers and supercomputers. To experimentally discover the modern supercomputer that computes a million things at once instead of computing just one thing at a time is to see parallel processing, compress the time to solution of the toughest problems arising in extreme-scale computational physics. In 1989, my experimental discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer made the news headlines. It was written that I discovered how to compress the time to solution from 65,536 days or 180 years to just one day across the slowest 65,536 processors. Contrary to the opinions held by the likes of Gene Amdahl of the mainframe computer world, held by the likes of Seymour Cray of the supercomputer world, and held by the likes of Steve Jobs, of the computer world and contrary to their opinions that parallel processing will forever remain a huge waste of everybody's time I, Philip Emagwale discovered that parallel processing is not a huge waste of everybody's time to experimentally discover the massively parallel processing supercomputer is to record previously unrecorded speeds in supercomputing and to do so by supercomputing a million things at once and supercomputing them when the likes of Steve Jobs of the computer world and the likes of Seymour Cray of the supercomputer world argued that it will forever remain impossible to do so and to efficiently compute eight things at once. And argued that it will forever remain impossible to parallel process across eight processors. I'm Philip Emagwale. I invented a new internet that is a new global network of 65,000
536 tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other and that were already available in the market anyway. <clears throat> and I invented how to use that new internet to make computers faster and make supercomputers fastest. Please allow me to take a half-century retrospective look on my early years in supercomputing that began on June 20, 1974 at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. I will focus only on my supercomputing during the 1970s and 80s and on the role of beauty and serendipity in my experimental discovery of how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. I'm often asked to describe the role beauty and serendipity played in my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that is a new internet de facto. The beauty of my multicolored illustrations of the cube in the 16th dimension that was tightly circumscribed by the sphere in the 16th dimension inspired me to use the hypercube and the hypersphere as my metaphors for the two massively parallel processing supercomputers that I invented and invented as new internets. The beauty of geometrical objects such as the cube and the sphere and the truncated icosahedron inspired me to keep moving forward in my quest for the massively parallel processing cosmic supercomputer. Serendipity or luck played no role in my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. It was a discovery that was 15 years in the making. The earliest illustrations of my new internet as a new global network of processors we are described as beautiful. Those illustrations are still reproduced, but are reproduced without attribution to Philip M. Aguale and are reproduced by the print and the television media. Serendipity played no role in my quest for the fastest computation. My invention of a system of coupled nonlinear time-dependent and state-of-the-art partial differential equations of the modern calculus is not due to luck. My discovery of how to solve the algebraic approximations of those partial differential equations is not due to luck. My discovery of how to solve them faster and do so on a new computer is not due to luck. 
my discovery of how to solve them fastest and how to do so across a new internet that is a new supercomputer is not due to luck. My discovery of how to solve them faster and how to do so by a factor of 64 binary thousand is not due to luck. All those discoveries are the frontiers of knowledge of the modern calculus of the extreme scale computational physics and of the massively parallel processing supercomputer cannot be attributed to serendipity or to luck. In the mathematical and computational sciences, the discovery of a new calculus or a new algebra or a new algorithm is first made inside the mind of the discoverer and second seen with the eyes of the discoverer. So my experimental discovery of how to massively parallel process and how to process and solve the toughest problems arising in calculus and physics and how to solve those problems across my new global network of processors that's a new internet wasn't serendipitous nor was that discovery due to an act of luck I knew a priori that the massively parallel processing supercomputer that I discovered will beat the world's fastest and I knew a posteriori that my massively parallel processing supercomputer was de facto a new internet that is a small copy of the internet. Please allow me to describe my small copy of the internet and to describe that small internet in prose instead of describing that small internet as an illustration. In the summer of 1974, I visualized 64,000 computers that encircled the Earth. I visualized each computer as equidistant from its nearest neighboring computers or the computers closest to it. I visualized each computer to be assigned to an area of 3,000 square miles. That is, I visualized those 64,000 computers to be evenly distributed around planet Earth. That visualization was the origin story of my small copy of the internet. I first programmed a scalar processing supercomputer on June 20, 1974. I programmed that supercomputer at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. Back in 1974, when I was programming sequential processing supercomputers that processed only one thing at a time, I had a very vague idea of the future massively parallel processing supercomputer 
that we do many things at once that I was visualizing. A decade later, I had intellectually matured and came of age as a research mathematician and as a research physicist. And as I had theoretically discovered how to program a new internet that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other or a new global network of as many computers. Fast forward another five years to the 4th of July, 1989. I had intellectually matured and had come of age as a supercomputer scientist that was the lone wolf in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, in the uncharted territory of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. After 15 years of supercomputer research, it made the news headlines in 1989 that I, Philip Emma Aguale, had experimentally discovered what I had theoretically discovered across the previous decade and a half. Each of my processors was my metaphor for a tiny computer within my new global network of 64 binary thousand processors that was a new internet that I visualized back in 1974. The reason the illustrations of my new global network of processors were beautiful to the eyes and mind was that each processor within my small copy of the internet was equidistant from its nearest neighboring processors that shared nothing between each other. In practical, massively parallel processing supercomputing, my new global network of two raised to power 16 processors must be soldered onto two-dimensional motherboards. Therefore, their equidistance occurs only in a topological sense instead of in a geometrical sense. In the early 1980s, I did a back-of-the-envelope calculation. Namely, I theorized the CPUs or the processors as positioned at the 2 raised to power 16 or 65,536 vertices of the cube that were tightly circumscribed by the surface of the sphere. And I theorized that hypercube in my imaginary 16-dimensional hyperspace. My multicolored illustrations of the pathways of that cube in the 16th dimension were beautiful, but they were not drawn serendipitously. I theorized the 64 binary thousand CPUs as having a one-to-one -one correspondence to 64 binary thousand initial boundary value problems of modern calculus or to 64 binary thousand 
computational intensive problems of computational fluid dynamics of physics. I reached my 64 binary thousand central processing units by emailing each processor from one of my 64 binary thousand processors that we are each uniquely identified by a 16-bit long binary number that is a unique string of 16 zeros and ones. What I've just described was the toughest problem in modern supercomputing. For that reason, I can't count on Lady Luck or Serendipity to help me to synchronously send and to simultaneously receive those unique 64 binary thousand emails. I had to know my 65,536 initial boundary value problems of modern calculus that I was sending and receiving across my 65,536 tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other. That was how I experimentally discovered the massively parallel processing supercomputer. That discovery changed the way we look at the fastest computers. That discovery enabled the modern high-performance supercomputer to be powered by 10 million commonly available processors. That discovery made it, impossible, made it possible to reduce 30,000 years or about 10 million days of time to solution to just one day of time to solution. In the 1970s and 80s, the leaders of thought for the fields of sequential processing and vector processing supercomputing believed that parallel processing will forever remain a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. Because it was then impossible to solve the toughest problems arising in extreme-scale computational physics, such as the excruciatingly detailed general circulation climate models that must be used in the shortest time possible and used to solve such grand challenges across a new internet that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors. And because it was then impossible to solve such grand challenge problems, the few massively parallel processing supercomputer hopefuls and centers in the world were abandoned like a ghost town. In the 1980s, I was the only parallel programmer that programmed full-time. And I did so at the farthest frontier of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. I visualized my new supercomputer as my new internet that is a new global network of 
64 binary thousand commonly available processors. While supercomputing as a lone wolf, massively parallel programmer in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, I experimentally discovered how to synchronously send and receive each of my 64 binary thousand computational fluid dynamics codes of physics that each is an initial boundary value problem of modern calculus. Each initial boundary value problem is a system of coupled, nonlinear, time-dependent, and state-of-the-art partial differential equations and the associated constraints on that system. Those constraints are called initial and boundary conditions. I experimentally discovered how to compute a solution to any initial boundary value problem, such as the solution to the classic wave and heat equations of mathematical physics that has the appropriate initial and boundary conditions specified. I experimentally discovered how to solve a system of coupled, nonlinear, time-dependent, and state-of-the-art partial differential equations of modern calculus, and I discovered how to solve them across my new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 tightly coupled processors with each processor operating its own operating system and with each processor having its own dedicated memory that shared nothing between each other. I experimentally discovered how to solve the toughest problems arising in calculus and how to solve such problems simultaneously, and how to solve, solve such problems while ensuring that my massively parallel processed supercomputer solutions satisfy their spe specified initial and boundary conditions and their governing partial differential equations. I experimentally discovered how to synchronously send and receive their initial boundary and boundary conditions or companion data and how to send them across my new internet that is a new global network of 2 raised to power 16 or 65,536 already available processors that was outlined by 16 times, 2 raised to power 16, or 1,048,576 commodity bidirectional email wires. Those email wires corresponded to the bidirectional edges of the cube in my imaginary 16-dimensional universe. Each of my two raised to power 16 CPUs, the acronym for Central Processing Units or Processors, 
emailed their computed answers to the computational fluid dynamics code that I assigned to that CPU and emailed them to my uniquely identified nearest neighboring CPUs that's associated with physical domains that are nearest neighbors to the physical domain that the sending CPU represents. Sending and receiving those emails were impossible in the 1970s and 80s and first became possible when I sent and received them as 65,000 536 simultaneous emails that arrived at 65,536 already available processors and arrived at 8.15 in the morning of Tuesday, the 4th of July, 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. In the early 1980s, when I proposed to simultaneously send and receive those 65,536 emails. It evoked laughter. At that time, most vector processing supercomputer scientists had never sent or received an email. For that reason, I was described as a lunatic that worked on the fringes of knowledge and I was dismissed from my research group to synchronously send 65,536 emails required that I know my new internet very, very well and know my new internet forward and backward and even sideways. Serendipity or luck did not help me to experimentally discover that massively parallel processing or doing many things at once makes the computer faster and makes the modern supercomputer fastest. I experimentally discovered the massively parallel processing supercomputer and I discovered the technology on the 4th of July, 1989. And I discovered it at the time. Steve Jobs and Seymour Cray, the two leaders of thought in the world of computing and supercomputing, respectively, were loudly voicing their opinions that parallel processing will forever remain a huge waste of everybody's time. In the 1970s and 80s, to massively parallel process the toughest problem that arose in extreme-scale computational physics and to parallel process that problem across a new internet that is a new global network of processors was deemed impossible. It was easier to send a man to the moon than to harness the total compute processing power of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. To be a lone wolf programmer of the most massively parallel processing supercomputer ever built was to have the audacity to look God 
in the face. Two decades after I had experimentally discovered how to massively parallel process and how to compute across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 already available processors. Steve Jobs and his team of programmers at Apple Computers tried parallel processing across merely eight processors. Steve Jobs gave up, dismissed and ridiculed parallel processing. Steve Jobs mocked parallel processing as a huge waste of everybody's time. In the June 10, 2008 issue of the New York Times, Steve Jobs was quoted as telling Apple Apple's worldwide developers that, and I quote, the way the processor industry is going is to add more and more cores, but nobody knows how to program those things. Steve Jobs continued, I mean two, yeah, four, not really, eight, forget it, end of quote. In late June 1990, Steve Jobs read about Philip M. Aguale in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal and made a telephone call to Philip M. Aguale and did so because Steve Jobs discovered that the impossible to compute by doing only one thing at a time may in fact be possible to parallel compute by doing many things at once. In 1989, it made the news headlines that an African supercomputer wizard in the United States has experimentally discovered how to massively parallel compute and how to compute simultaneously and how to compute on two raised to power 16 processors and how to compute and communicate synchronously and do both across 16 times to raise to power 16 email wires that in turn connected those processors as one seamless cohesive whole unit that is a new internet and that is a new supercomputer and a new computer. I, Philip Emagwale, was that African supercomputer scientist who experimentally discovered that parallel processing was an all-or-nothing affair. The explanation for this all-or-nothing affair is that at the same compute circle, I locked all my 65,536 processors that shared nothing between each other and I synchronously instructed each processor or CPU to send and receive CPU to CPU email messages and to receive them 65,536 times faster than your everyday person-to-person email message. So either I, Philip M. Aguale, was executing the world's fastest floating-point arithmetical computations and executing the correspondingly fastest email communication, 
or I was executing nothing. I programmed all 65,536 tightly coupled processors to simultaneously compute so that the toughest problem in computational physics that had a time to solution of 65,536 days on one processor or 180 years on one computer now had a reduced time to solution of only one day across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other. And that is a new supercomputer and a new computer. When I experimentally discovered how to compute at world record speed and how to compute across a new internet that is a new supercomputer de facto. I felt like I was jolted by a bolt of electricity. I understood that my world record supercomputer speed was the same speed that I theorized for a decade, namely that 47,303 calculations per second per processor that totaled across 65,000 536 tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other would yield that 4th of July 1989 world record of 3.1 billion calculations per second. I remember the afternoon that I experimentally discovered that quantum leap in supercomputer speed. I leapfrogged across the frontier of the vector processing supercomputer and I leapfrog by a factor of 65,536 and leapfrogged into the unknown world of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. I was shivering. I couldn't continue walking. I went home and called my wife, Dale at her research laboratory at the local medical school. What's wrong? Dale asked me. It worked. It worked. It worked. I said with trepidation. Dale knew that I had experimentally discovered the massively parallel processing supercomputer that I had theoretically discovered a decade earlier. At the Eureka moment that I invented the modern supercomputer, I felt like the magician that turned fiction into fact. For my research years, onward of the second Tuesday in June, 1978, my wife Dale was the only research scientist that understood my supercomputer vision and my parallel processing motivation. Dale knew that I had experimentally discovered 
how to massively parallel process 180 years to one day. Later, that experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer was reported in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal. The news media reported that a lone wolf African supercomputer wizard in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, has experimentally discovered a paradigm shift or a change in the way we look at the computer and the supercomputer. Before that paradigm shift, we looked at the computer as powered by only one processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors. After that paradigm shift, we looked at the computer as massively parallel computing and supercomputing with up to 10,649,600 processors that were already available in the market anyway. The precursor to the modern supercomputer that I experimentally discovered on the 4th of July 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, occupied the space of a ping-pong table. The fastest of the modern supercomputers of today occupies the space of a football field. That massively parallel processing supercomputer that I experimentally discovered on the 4th of July 1989 opened the door to the modern supercomputer that now massively parallel processes many things at once. On June 20, 1974, at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Covalis, Oregon, United States, I began programming the quote-unquote first supercomputer. It was called the first supercomputer because it was the first computer that, could, that was rated at 1 million instructions per second. Back in the 1970s, my supercomputing vision was to experimentally discover how to execute the fastest computations ever and how to execute them across a new internet that was my new global network of processors that were already available in the market anyway. My quest for the fastest massively parallel processing supercomputer was all-consuming. It was a supercomputing quest to record a computing speed that was previously unrecorded. The inventor embarked upon a hero's quest to hear something that was previously unheard, to see something that was previously unseen, and to understand something that was previously misunderstood. 
Eureka moment in supercomputing that was recorded in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal was the high point of my scientific journey that began exactly 16 years earlier that began and began on June 20, 1974. For me, Philip Emma Aguale, my highest high came from finding the loudest voice in the world of physics, namely the second law of motion. My highest high came from finding the clearest vision in the world of supercomputing, namely the fastest speed in supercomputing that I executed across a new internet that I visualized as a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors. My highest high came from finding the deepest wisdom and from gaining the greatest understanding of how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. The turning point in my journey to the frontier of supercomputer knowledge occurred 20 years earlier when I was a 14-year-old soldier on the Biafran side of the Nigeria-Biafra Civil War. In July 1969, I was conscripted and sent to the Oguta War Front, Igbo land, Biafra. West Africa. I was a 14-year-old soldier at the Oguta War Front of the Nigeria-Biafra Civil War. That war turned my ancestral homeland into Africa's bloodiest battlefield. I arrived at the Oguta War Front a few days after 500 Biafran soldiers fell on the ground and fell as if they were dry leaves. I was conscripted to replace one of the 500 men that died. At Oguta war front, there were more guns than pens. It was at Oguta War Front that I first had the name Colonel Olusegu Obasanjo, the future three-term president of Nigeria. At Oguta War Front, I was informed that Colonel Olusegu Obasanjo is the new commander of the much better and heavily armed Nigerian soldiers. My mathematical journey continued from the bloody Oguta war front in Biafra that was described as the bloodiest war in the history of Africa to the frontiers of extreme-scaled computational physics that was described as the toughest problem in physics and supercomputing. At that frontier of supercomputing, nuclear bombs were digitally exploded via physics-based simulations across 64 binary thousand already available processors that we are wired together by one binary million 
regular and short email wires that were equal distances afar and apart. At the end of my 20-year-long journey to the frontier of human knowledge that began in July 1969 and began in Oguta Warfront in Igbo land, Biafra, I felt like the sojourner in Igbo folk tales that arrived at the land of the spirits where he wrestled with a three-headed dog. <clears throat> the quest for a never-before-recorded supercomputer speed record is what makes us human. That news speed record is an intrinsic part of our human progress. That news speed record enables us to forever reinvent our technologies and ourselves. That new speed record is our collective hero's journey to the terra incognita of technological knowledge. From June 20, 1974, at age 19, in Corvallis, Oregon, United States, to the 4th of July, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, I was totally committed to the quest for the fastest supercomputer that could be experimentally discovered through the massively parallel processing of physics-based and calculus-based supercomputer codes that must arise from excruciatingly detailed simulation in extreme-scaled computational physics. Every line of my supercomputer code encoded the intellect and knowledge of mathematicians and physicists whose names have been lost in the midst of time. To record the fastest recorded supercomputer speeds and to do so across a new internet demanded that I visualize my emails as exploding across my new internet that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other. I visualized emails as exploding like bullets out of my eyes. When I arrived at the frontier of knowledge, in massively parallel processing supercomputing, I felt like I had accosted the Medusa that was guarding the tree of knowledge. I, in part, defined that terra incognita by my email address space that consisted of my unique arrangement of one binary million zeros and ones. Metaphorically speaking, that Medusa had to be slayed before I crossed into the terra incognita or the uncharted territory of supercomputer knowledge. The discovery is the act of seeing something previously unseen. But we only see the discovery with our intellectual eyes, not with our biological eyes. That new object 
that is the discovery may be the fastest of its kind, such as the fastest aircraft, or the fastest singular processor, or the fastest singular internet, that is a new global network of processors. Or it may be a new person that ran the fastest 100-yard race. Or it may be a new supercomputer scientist that recorded the fastest computer calculation ever recorded. For the record, Philip Emma Aguale recorded the experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. For the record, Philip Emma Aguale made that experimental discovery when parallel processing was presumed to be untestable or even wrong. Yet, theorized parallel processing was in the air for the 43 years prior to my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989. The January 11th 1946 issue of the New York Times mentioned parallel processing as science fiction and as 100 computers that could forecast the weather all over the world. And that, quote, the United States would be divided into blocks penetrating into the stratosphere. Unquote. I, Philip Emagwale, read that New York Times article and made the leap of imagination from the 100 computers that was theorized in 1946 to the 64 binary thousand processors that I theorized 28 years later and that I experimentally programmed for the three years later. Since that New York Times article that was dated January 11, 1946, parallel processing got a lot of hype and was ridiculed as a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. Parallel processing was experimentally confirmed by I, Philip Emma Aguale, and confirmed on the 4th of July, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. On that date, parallel processing was verified by experiment that I executed across a new internet that was outlined by 16 times 2 raised to power 16 or 1,048,576 bidirectional email wires that married 2 raised to power 16 processors together as one seamless cohesive supercomputer that was the precursor to the modern supercomputer as well as the modern computer. The 4th of July, 1989 was the day 
parallel processing passed the merciless test of the experiment that I conducted across my new internet that is a new global network of processors and that is a new supercomputer and a new computer. I was in major U.S. newspapers because I provided the lockdown evidence that the massively parallel processing supercomputer can be used to solve the toughest problems arising in extreme-scale computational physics. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture. Insightful and brilliant lecture.